Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode of Living in Hope. I am your host, Cassie Barrett. All right, I have such a treat for you guys today. I am sitting down with my brother-in-law, Randy Merritt. Funny enough, I actually, I'm kind of sad, but I actually haven't asked my brother-in-law about his faith story. I mean, we've known each other for a while now, and I don't know why, but we've never sat down and talked about it, talked about his faith journey and how he came to know Christ. And, you know, obviously I know some of his story and I've been a part of some of it, um, but we're going back. We're going back in his life and learning about his time in prison and how Christ really began working in his life. So this is definitely a treat and you guys are going to love it. Before we dive in, I'm not going to do an outro. So before we dive in, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. This is a great way for you to get notifications and to keep up with when there's a new podcast or a new episode on the podcast. But anyways, you guys, I hope you enjoy this episode. Rate it if you can. That would be great. But let's go ahead and dive in. All right, we are live. Thank you so much for joining me here. So happy to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I wanted to call you Uncle Randy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just because you how you refer to me more often than anything. It is. You are just Uncle Randy. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for joining me. This is exciting because, you know, I have only heard bits and pieces, but recently you spoke at your church. Mm-hmm about your testimony, but I've only heard a little bit, and I don't know why I haven't really heard much of your story. You know, I think our life with our kids and all the yeah. adventures, it's just, you know, we kind right? of take for granted, like, yeah. where we come from, yes, and, it's you so know, true. you married in to my family, Baron, my brother, what, seven, eight years ago? Uh, we've been together for 10 Right, but you got married, married. yeah. Yes, Uh, and so it's like you know you've been there, you've been part of the family as a fixture, and it's just uh, kind of take for granted that I know know, we don't get those stories out all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that we kind of met pre Jesus in my life, and I feel like my connection with Christ is through stories, like hearing people's stories. So now it's a very important thing in my life, and I'm always interested in hearing more about people's lives and what God has done in them in their lives. So, so you are my brother-in-law. We didn't mention that, but I kind of figured they probably get it from uncle Randy. Yeah. And you yeah. marrying my brother. Yeah. So, you know. Mar- yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> all those key words, hope yeah. you guys are paying attention here. <laughs> actually, I had the honor of marrying you guys. So I mean, it's true. Yeah. You did I actually made it official. So. Yeah. You made it official. <laughs> yes, that's true. That was fun. Good times. Yeah. Well, let's have you introduce yourself. Just kind of tell us a little bit about who you are, what your life looks like today. All right. Well, my name is Randy Merritt, obviously brother-in-law to Cassie Merritt here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, today I'm an entrepreneur. I have several businesses that I own and run and, um, you know, family man. I'm married with three kids and, um, you know, people would know me today as, uh, you know, pretty decent guy here in Skagit Valley and, you know, whether it's business or church or friendships, you know, it's just, uh, uh, the place that God has taken me. But like yeah. I shared, you know, before in a church is, uh, I didn't start out that way. I, I took the long, the long way around <laughs> and, uh, I, I learned about hope and faith by, uh, 
you know, wearing myself out to where that was all that was left. I guess my, you know, journey with Jesus has started way back at the beginning because, mm. you know, I have our grandparents were uh, Lutheran, you know, they out here in Edison and, yeah. you know, I was baptized a little baby, had the water on me and uh, <laughs> my mom's side of the family, my mom and dad were split. My mom's side of the family was Catholic. So there was always a sense of morality or God being, yeah. you know, real. Right. Um, but it wasn't an everyday part of life. Even, even here in uh, Washington, when I spent time with my grandparents, you know, they'd pray every night for dinner, but we, there wasn't just that sense of a uh, relationship with Jesus and what he means to us daily. So right. I kind of grew up not really knowing. I think even though my grandma walked her faith out pretty good, I, I didn't know to recognize it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I get that. And so really my faith journey started probably when I was in eighth grade. Okay. Um, you know, I told this story at church and I got it wrong. My mom had to correct me. Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't even remember how it started, but oh, she no. came to pick me up at a, an after school event. It was like a Youth for Christ event. Okay. And she had come to pick me up and she got there early or it, it stayed late. We're not quite sure. But when she got there, there was me and several other people receiving prayer and we were just crying like in worship with just like a real spiritual experience happening. Wow. And yeah. Her being raised Catholic, she'd never seen anything real like that. It was always kind of the religious go through the steps. Yeah. And so for her, that got her questioning what's right, what's real. Mm. And so, you know, I told my story a couple weeks ago at church and she had to call me up and correct me because I thought that when she married my stepdad, they decided to start taking us to church because he was a Christian. Well, apparently she met him through the church. And the reason she went to church, she sought out a church because after seeing that encounter i had had that i don't even remember wow she thought there's got to be more so she found this little church down the street from our house and it was a little church plant we met in a gym and it was a little four square deal acoustical guitar and like Mm -hmm. 20 of us and yeah um you know i had my memory of her telling me about how cool it was because the pastor's daughter was my age and you know <laughs> yes. I, I ended up being a you know teenage boy. I was motivated by that. Yes. And cute uh, girl at the church. Yeah. Gotta go. Gotta yeah. go. You know, youth group, spend more time with her. Yay. You know, so that was kind of my earliest real experiences with God. And you yeah. know, that led through a, a time where uh, I got to encounter him in a way I remember. You know, I was there obviously for my own selfish teenager reasons, but right. spending that time I I it was in a, a church that while we just had acoustic guitars, we had people that worshiped, that loved God, and you could feel like something cool was happening. Right. And so I learned a little bit about that. And in my pursuit of this gal, there was an opportunity to go to a winter camp. Mm. And so I invited my cousin, you know, the good Christian, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, win souls, and I invited yeah. my cousin to this thing. And I was thinking, man, I'm going to have all weekend to go out there and spend time with this gal. And yeah. day one, her and my cousin hooked up, and I was left Uh-oh. out in the cold at winter camp. So. Oh, no. I was so bummed. Yeah, I was like, man, why did I waste my time with this? And, you know, I had a total crappy attitude about it. And I spent the rest of the weekend, well, maybe I can find somebody else to talk to and was just striking out. And (laughs) I, well, geez, bad on your cousin. Yeah, I know. Me and him over the years, we had some stories. So, uh, I'm sure, you know, he got the better of me a couple times, but we love each other, but it was always like, golly. Yes. Um, Well, your family, so. Yeah, yeah. So we, 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 you know, we could slug it out one day and, yep. and you know, go hunting the next. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was really cool. Um, that weekend, the last Sunday of it, there was the final chapel. And 
I went because I had to, and I remember just staring at the floor, not really caring about what was going on. Mm. And, you know, it was in that moment that I really heard Jesus talk to me for the first time, you know, where through the preaching, through the worship, it was just an audible voice in my head. And he was like, you know, I know you, I, Mm. I know you and I still love you. He's like, I know the thief you've been. I know the liar you've been. I know the perverted thoughts you had about my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And I love you. And it's like he wow. he really communicated to me in that moment that even if it had only been me, he would have suffered on that cross. And I was just I was mm. broken. So that was the time I remember, you know, just weeping before God. And I was I was prayed over and and something inside of me changed from that night. Wow. It's, and it stuck with me through thick and thin. Yeah. This this concept of Jesus died for my sins. I get to spend forever in heaven with him. Wow. And how old were you at this point? 13 or 14. 13 or 14. Wow. Yeah. And so I pursued that a little while after that. You know, I kept going to youth group and um, trying to trying to learn. You know, they'd teach me to, you know, you got to read this chapter and think about it and answer these six questions. You know, they yeah. had their plan for discipleship, but my teenage mind and, you know, I just, <laughs> I wasn't really available to hear at that time I don't think you know I try to read and it's like the words would swim around on the page and yeah you know at that age too it's hard to concentrate a hard time getting it and the (laughs) pastor's daughter's across the room I want to look at her and not this book you know so there was a lot of distraction and yeah you know going into high school um unfortunately she went down a road that uh you know, was, was pretty bad. You know, she started, mm. um, selling drugs her freshman year and okay. she was the wow. first girl I know to sleep around, you know? So like yeah. my perception of like living with Jesus kind of got off to a twisted yeah. bed, you know, you very confused. Yeah. yeah. So I spent a lot of my high school years, you know, chasing girls, partying, just whatever was fun. Like I had this awareness that Jesus loved me and I had my get out of hell free card in my pocket. Right. right. So like, <laughs> you know, I just had to get through life and maybe someday I'd, you know, give him my life and honor him with what I do. But oh, yeah. Yeah. But right now you just want to have fun. Yeah, right? you know, everybody does that, right? <laughs> right. You have fun. And yes. you know, that thinking along those lines just led me to go deeper and deeper into, into sin, into wow. drugs, into bad relationships with girls, you know, I, I I look back and my sole focus and motivation for a lot of the drugs, theft, party, and not caring about school was mm. all thinking about getting my fulfillment out of a, a relationship or friends or girls, you know, things that just, okay. you know, were my driving force. Yeah. And so it just led me down a road to where all the other morals didn't really matter. Right. You know, I wanted to be perceived as nice and a good guy, but, you know... <laughs> At the end of the day, all the things that matter, you know, being honest, working hard, you know, paying for my own stuff, that kind of right. all went out the window huh. um, yeah. to yeah. the point where, you know, when I was 19 years old, I was living on the streets and a full-time drug dealer. Wow. You know, I built this image up myself because I still wanted to be a good guy. So I figured, well, I'll just deal drugs better than, you know, the bad people, you know. <laughs> I won't break people's knees or go collect money, you know, like I'll do a good job. At I'll do a good this. job. I'll be yeah. a good one. And, you know, somehow the police will think, well, he's one of the good drug dealers. We'll let He'll him go. Fine. Yeah. You yeah. know, so that I'd never get in trouble. Oh, and, you know, and I think God puts in us, you know, there's that hole we always talk about, like that God sized hole inside of us. There's also this sense of wanting to be good and wanting to be right. Like, and, and people mm-hmm. fulfill that in different ways. Yeah. You know, for me, I had to build this illusion because I wasn't completely ignorant of God right. or his love. You know, I, I'd had that experience. But 
you know, it's, it's even now as a Christian, you know, when I find myself getting into a sinful pattern, there's always a lie that I, I wind up believing or, or justification that, mm. yeah, I know God says this, but, you know, you, you know, we there's see it with, yeah, yeah, there's always a but. Yeah. Like we see it with people with their drinking or with their sexual relationships or with anything else. It's like, yeah, I know it's not exactly what God wants for me, but, you know, it's yes. 2020 and like, look at the TV and the new, you know, like we yeah. use the world as our example. I'm yeah. not as bad as those people and, you know, yeah. all these justifications. Yes. So there's always that whole like, but I will get better at it later. Like, I'll do better later. (laughs) But, you know, God loves me, forgives me, knows I'm not going to be perfect, you know. Yes. And while that's true, it's not our excuse. You know, that's, you know, God gives us that so that our hearts aren't so heavy when we fail. But it's Mm -hmm. not our our green light to hurt him, you know, not to live by. Yeah. Don't live by the butts. <laughs> Don't live by the butts. Figuratively and literally. Yes. That's the idea. It, you know, um, but oh, so man. after that time, you know, I'd gotten off into just thinking I was the invincible drug dealer. And uh, mm. one night I found out I wasn't. I got arrested mm. with a large amount of drugs on me. And, you know, when when they grabbed me and put me in the cell and, you know, slammed the door, it was like almost like this image of my life being the good drug dealer, having a pathway that I thought was okay. Like everything I believed about myself, it just kind of shattered, you know, Mm. and looking back, I feel like that was like the enemy's lies just being destroyed. Like, you know, when the door shut, I was broken. Who I thought I was, was no longer. Wow. And, and that really did happen. I mean, through that time it was, I, I, I was able to be released for a court date and I was able to go home and, kind of reconcile with my mom a little bit. I had the whole time I had been doing this drug dealer thing, I was avoiding her. Mm. And so I had a little time to spend with her afterwards. And I think that was God's grace that I didn't go straight to prison. So I was able to, she was able to see me broken and repentful and like, you know, mom, I'm sorry. I screwed up. I'm going to pay the price now. And, you know, so after a couple of weeks, they uh, picked me back up and like the feds came and said, Nope, you're going to jail. You're, you're not to be out right now. And Mm. I, um, I went off to jail and they started telling me things like five to 40 years and, you know, that things could be really bad. And I was just lost and broken. And I I was in a jail that was 90 miles from our house or 90 minutes. It was, it was over an hour away from where Klamath Falls, where I was living. And so I felt all alone there and I'm sitting up on my bunk and, um, you know, jail food is just terrible. So I couldn't, I couldn't stomach it. I was pretty new at it. Really? So there's half oh, the no. food I wouldn't eat. And is I only eat the things I could recognize, which Ugh. less than half the food. Not an option there, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I'm up on my bunk and I could see this guy across from me had just piles of like candy bars and granola bars and, you know, stuff you could buy through. If people put money on your books, you can buy commissary treats yeah. and snacks. And so I'm yeah. looking at his stuff thinking, man, I'm hungry and, he was teaching another guy about my age out of the Bible. And he was, he was probably a 50-year-old man at the time. Okay. And uh, I'm watching him and I'm thinking, you know, I bet if I go listen to him, I could talk him out of a candy bar. <laughs> like, he's a Christian. I know how Christians work. Like, They're giving, right? Yeah, they're giving people. <laughs> I think I can I think I can put something in my belly. Oh, no. So I went over and I talked to him and he's teaching this guy out of Revelations. And uh, wow. it gets to Revelations uh, chapter 3, verse 16. And he reads, he's like, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And, you know, 
I didn't know the history about any of that. I didn't know what he was saying. I was just like, wow, that's pretty. Why well, not, you know, get out of hell free call or God, yeah, I know. Yeah, you know, I was wow. kind of baffled. And then the guy stopped talking to the other guy, looked at me and he said, Randy, do you know what that means? And I'm like, uh, I have no idea. And he said, you know, God would rather that you had never heard of him wow. than to hear of him and not be on fire for him. Wow. And I was just like, I knew I wasn't on fire for him. Obviously, yeah. the way I was living, I didn't really think yes. about him that much. Oof, that's good. So I yeah. went back to my bunk, just crushed, forgot to ask for a candy bar. <laughs> well, geez, really got to you then. Yeah, he got yeah. to me. And, uh, you know, that night I, I sat on my bunk and I was like, you know, God, I've screwed up so much stuff. You yeah. know, the choices, what I thought was right was wrong. You know, everything that I thought was real in this world is, is you know, mm -hmm. thrown out. It's like, I don't want to be wrong about you. And eternity. Wow. And, you know, I was like, God, just please help me. Show me what's right. Yeah. And no kidding. The, the next morning I woke up with such a hunger in my heart to read his word. And for the first time in my life, it was vibrant. It was alive. It was like, it was like super HD coming off the page. And I'm reading this little Gideon's Bible, you know, a little pocket, chest oh, pocket yeah. sized Bible. Oh, yeah. I was in that thing. <laughs> I couldn't even see the words today, but back then, <laughs> man, I was in my little book and I just, I felt like it was walking down the road with Jesus. Like I, I had heard some of the stories, but you know, seeing his compassion, seeing his love, hearing yeah. his wisdom, like my mind just started racing with the possibilities and a new perspective of, you know, what had God had wanted from me. You know, I remember early on one of my, my key foundational verses for my life, um, I mean, it is for many people, but Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on yeah. your own understanding. And verse 6 was the one that got me at that time, because it said, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Wow. Yeah. Coming from a screw up, from somebody who has no confidence in their ability to be successful, mm -hmm. that verse just, it was a, a foundational, like, you know what, I I. I can be successful in life. I can make it to heaven. I can have a relationship with God. You know, and it wow. started with that simple foundational truth that I'm not responsible for the outcome. I'm mm -hmm. not responsible. For, I, my job is to acknowledge him, to keep mm -hmm. him in front of me and to like love on him. And the rest of the stuff will work itself out. And that's carried me from, carried me from the point where, you know, I had alienated my entire family. I was homeless on my way to prison, you know, everything ruined to the point now where, you know, I'm, I'm a cornerstone in my family. People lean on me and I'm able mm -hmm. to help them. And, and, and all the relationships have been restored and God's given me, you know, so much resource in the community and, and, you know, in the businesses and things that we get to do, you know, from here to there, it, it's all relied on acknowledging Jesus and him directing my paths and taking me this far. Wow. Um, wow, that's big. Yeah. So I want to know, how, like, at that moment when you went and laid in bed and said, okay, I want to be on fire for you, Christ, what what did life look like? Because obviously you had to still serve your time, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> time marches on. Yes. And, you know, shortly after that, so I dove into my word and I got this idea that, you know, man, this is why I'm here. Yeah. God loved me so much. He put me in in this time to get to know him, to get my life together Hello. so I could live with him. Yeah. And so I was on fire. I was reading my word. I was, people would come up, what are you reading? You know, why are you reading that? And I'm like, 
you know, I'm just telling you what I know. I, I can't tell you what anybody at yeah. church has told you before. I've, you know, all I know is the words I'm reading. And I, I was able to share with some people. I remember a, a guy had come to me and he was all discouraged that uh, he'd been to different churches and he always felt like they put such a weight of expectation on him, how he should behave, how he should dress, how it, you know, and he never felt good enough to be in church. Hmm. And I was like, That's well, yeah. at that time I happened to be reading in Romans and it was talking, you know, Romans 12 about mm-hmm. being a living sacrifice and, you know, the struggles mm-hmm. in Romans 7 and, you know, that God's interested in our heart and seeing our minds renewed with his word. And he's yeah. the one, he's the one that, that takes us from each step to another. It's not like we have to get cleaned up and be there. Yes. And yeah. Mind you, this was my first couple months in the Word. I didn't know what I was reading. I was just like, well, that kind of sounds like, <laughs> like this, this verse, maybe. and that kind of sounds like that verse. And, you know, oh, God put together yes. a Bible study, and I, oh, I don't wow. know what was going on. Oh, wow. So he was, you know, he was encouraged, and he left. And, um, mm. you know, I went on about my time reading all the books I could, reading the Bible as much as I could, and sharing with people. And, you know, I got to that point in, in, in the process of going to prison, Mm -hmm. you know, you get arrested, you get sentenced, and then there's an evaluation period. I had pled guilty, and then they evaluate you and say, well, based on your past history, based on your crime, you know, you're going to do this much time. Yeah. And all the jailhouse lawyers, you know, these guys that think they know what they're talking about, have told me, well, you know, you're you're a shoe-in to get this program. You should be out of here in 18 months. And, you know, I'm like, it's perfect. Like just a little bit of time. I'll get my act together. I'll go right into school and, you know, just start life again. And I go to my pre-sentence report and, uh, they drop this stack of paper on the desk and my lawyer's like, well, it's not quite as good as we thought it was going to be. And instead of this 18 months that I was sure that God had for me, the best case scenario, I get 78 months. Wow. That's a big difference. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I, I was so broken when I saw that. I'm like, you know what? Maybe this whole thing's a joke. Maybe God Uh, doesn't really have my back. Maybe this is just uh, not going to happen for me. So I went back from that meeting with my attorney back to the jailhouse and, you know, we were playing cards and in my mind, I had felt abandoned by God. I was like, I give up. I'm going to do my own thing. And I'd even started scheming in my head how I could have like my friends send me drugs and I could sell them in the jail and make my own way. And like, you know, just total reverted back to this evil way of thinking. And as I'm playing cards, that guy that I'd shared Romans with, I hadn't seen him for a few weeks, got transferred back into our dorm. He sat down next to me and was telling me how transformed he's been since our conversation, how he's been in his word every day and he's excited to get out and join Mm -hmm. a church and how God has really gotten a hold of him in a new way. And, you know, here I am thinking that God abandoned me. And in that moment, he spoke to me and said, you know, your time in prison is not just about you. I'm going to have you here to serve other men. Oh, I got chills. (sighs) Oh, man. Man, that that from from then on, I I was his man. Like I I I just knew that there was going to be purpose in that suffering. There was going to be God was going to do some stuff. I had no idea how cool it would have turned out the next you know, I wound up spending five years inside of a prison right? and that was like six months into it. So the next four and a half years were just one miracle after the next. Um, you know, we went right from there to a federal holding center and I'm still, I'm hungry to read my word and I'm talking with guys about it. And, you know, um, we were able to have a little Bible study. The guards let me get out after, after lockdown, they let me get out and go to the library with whoever wanted to come. Wow. Started with two or three guys. We got up to like 40 guys in this library. We were meeting every night, 
wow. reading scripture and there was no teacher like we just prayed and said holy spirit show us what's going on make your yeah. word alive to us like you did for me and we sat around the room and just we'd read a proverb and a chapter of the new testament and these guys would share what it was speaking to them and mind you these are guys from all different backgrounds you know we were all street folks not that long before so some of the conversations were like oh this effing verse just got me right in the effing heart you know and you know it was a really kind of yes. crude deal yeah. but the 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 revelation that the holy spirit was giving people like the confidence and faith and idea of love that god had had for us even where we were was just transformative like that time i feel like i got such a scriptural base under wow. my feet that as other things came, weird teachings or stressful times, like I just felt like the that foundation of love and, and God's ability to reach into any heart. They don't have to be a certain way to hear from Jesus. You know, yeah. God takes us where we're at and he loves us enough not to leave us there. Yeah. You know, and learning that early on was just something. And just the uh. whole time, I mean, God gave us favor throughout the prison. We were able to put on a worship service in the visiting room. Wow. Um, you know, our church had grown and, and changed so much during time. I mean, we had, you know, Bible studies almost every night of the week. There was a period of time we didn't have a pastor, and so I was preaching every other week. Mm -hmm. um, we rotated with guys. We had different worship bands yeah. come through because we had to work That's with cool. the talent we had right captive yeah. audience we got well, who can play the guitar who can yeah. play the piano like That's you know awesome. and so uh. based on guys release dates we went from like uh you know our first uh when i first got there there's a brother i'm still friends with on facebook but he's a southern baptist african-american brother and his worship style was the Southern Baptist, oh, when the saints, you know, and he's dancing behind the piano and like, clapping, oh, clapping. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, <laughs> I awesome. loved it because in the jail, yes. we went all that time without any real worship. Wow. I got in there and, and man, I was full on. Mm. And then he went home and like our next musician people that came through our little church yeah. came from like a Calvary Chapel, San Diego type rocker background. Uh, we had this oh, guy, yeah. Rick, who played <laughs> oh, the guitar. Gosh. And I mean, like his tattoos oh, and gold chains, like he was like... <laughs> just that. the total next variety yes. and then from there like he left and my buddy jimmy was learning to play the guitar so we went from like you know behind the piano <laughs> full-on you know rock yes. and gospel to like rock and roll calvary style to quiet guy with the acoustic guitar and figuring it out figuring yeah. it out <laughs> oh, and gosh, really I it was that. you know it's the heart of the people that are just desperate to worship god that yeah. that made those experiences powerful all the way through absolutely so wow. it's like and that's been a blessing because now today I can walk into a church service in any country in the world and, you know, feel like I can worship God. Yes. Find the beauty in whatever music you're hearing. Yeah. 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 Because how, cool. how many times do we hear people like, oh, I don't really care for that <laughs> yeah. drumming in the background. Or, oh, so much. Where's yes. the smoke? Where's the lights? I can't get into the God's <laughs> presence without the smoke, you know. The laser lights, the disco ball. Come on. Yeah. You know, or some oh. people see the disco ball and the laser lights and they're like, Turn oh, this is right too away. production. Yeah. I can't get into worship with that. It's like. Oh, yes. You have the yeah. definitely different varieties. Oh, man. That's so cool, though. I love that. It's God beats us wherever we are, even mm -hmm. if we're in prison. I love how you pointed out, like, no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you identify as, God is still going to love you mm -hmm. no matter what. Mm -hmm. And that judgment is not up to us, mm -hmm. right? No. He is the only one who can judge. Well, I want to know what life was like, because 
it's got to be a huge change. So did you serve that full 78 months then or? I, I, I got good time and a few months off for completing a drug treatment program. So I wound up serving 66 months, six of it in a halfway house and 60 of it actually incarcerated. Wow. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, the time honestly blew by. God had us so busy with, with ministry and I got in great shape. I was working out every day and, and I spent a lot of time learning. Um, I learned my trade. I'm actually, I'm an electrician by trade. Yep. Um, I learned my trade in the prison. Uh, when I meant I, that first, you know, six, eight months before I got sent to the prison while I was still jail and sorting things out, there was no real music or worship time. Mm -hmm. So when I got to the prison, prison's like a little city, you know, we've got, you know, clubs and Bible studies and, um, you know, you, you work out, you go to your job, you eat, you, you have like, there's clubs. Wait a second. Yeah. There's clubs like, well, you know, there's, uh, Toastmasters and there's (laughs) not like, like not like dancing, right? (laughs) You know, the guys, no, uh, it wasn't that kind of activity, but there, there was different people got together for different things and there was, you know, Kiwanis and, you know, there was things you could be part of. Yes. Okay. Um, and so it was busy, and one of them was a Mormon choir. Oh. And I thought, well, you know, I can go there and sing. I like to, you know, I'm yeah. not a great singer, but I just, after all that time of not having any outlet yes. for that and, yeah. and being into the word and wanting to worship, I just saw it as an opportunity. Mm. So I'm in this Mormon choir, and we weren't even singing hymns, we were singing the theme to cats. Right. <laughs> we're getting ready for what? some production. I don't know. The guys that were running it, that's what they wanted to do. But, you know, I'm there and this guy next to me wasn't a Mormon either. And he looks at me and he's like, uh, hey, do you got a job yet? And I had just gotten to the prison. I was like, well, I think they're putting me in the kitchen. He's like, would you like to become an electrician? <laughs> and I'm like, man, you know, my dad's kind of an electrician. I, you know, I thought about the trades. I think I'd be good at it. And he's like, well, come on, I'll introduce you to the boss and get you a job over here. He was the clerk for the electrical shop. Okay. <laughs> and so I started working in the electrical shop like right away when I got there and I, I was just good at it. I had a yeah. natural knack yeah. for putting stuff together wow. and uh, some good teachers. And so it came really easy to me. So that time I, I learned my trade. I got into shape. I, wow. I met some other guys that were electricians that were contractors that verified okay. my work experience. Wow. So when I got out of prison, I had three years of work experience. It only yeah. took me a year to get licensed. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> still envisioning you singing the theme to cats with a choir <laughs> to dream the impossible dream <laughs> oh man that's hilarious i was expecting like this full out like moment where you're worshiping with god but no you're singing cats <laughs> yeah yeah well it sounds like music is very big in your you know life. surprising as as ungifted as i am it i mean it took me literally like five years in church to learn how to clap so it's not a natural <laughs> gifting beat. yeah but you know, something about pouring my heart out to God and, and hearing mm-hmm. people do the same. Yeah. You know, it's like being in good worship. It's like, you know, I, I shared at church the other last month that, you know, when people walk into a worship service and they see you loving on God mm-hmm. and it's real, mm-hmm. they can't help but be affected. You yeah. know, the scripture says Contagious. that they'll know us, yeah. our love one to another. But I think also the way that we love God through worship right is is a witness to people that come into that environment maybe for the first time or maybe they've been in church for a long time but they haven't been around a group of worshipers yeah you know it's like that just prepares the heart and the soil like it's people asking the question what's going on with this group yeah 
what planet are they on right like wow yeah no that's true that is true that's the first thing that happens when you walk into a church is people are seeking yeah so that's the moment to catch people I never yeah. really even thought about that. That's so, cool. and, and you think about it, you know, if you walk into church on a day that you're not feeling like worshiping, mm-hmm. you know, you have those days the kids are stressing oh, yeah. you out, they wouldn't brush their hair, they wouldn't put the right shoes on, you're just like, yeah. I finally got here, I just want to sit back and relax. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that's that extra motivation to know not only are you loving on God in that worship time, mm-hmm. but when you get into God's presence, you're affecting the people around you. Wow. So, yeah. we, you know, to be able to lay the stress aside, pray it off, and just try to worship God every opportunity you get, yeah. you know, people get touched, and it's important. You don't want to forsake that. Yeah, that's so true. Wow. So you got out of prison. I had been a big shock to, like, just go from, like, being in prison, having the opportunity to praise God a lot, mm-hmm. and then now you're having to get out and find a job and work and live real life you know balance that responsibilities and so how was that with you and god after you got out well you know i i was um initially in oregon and i i got plugged into a great church right away it was called the combine and you know people that just loved God. And Mm -hmm. it was, uh, it was really neat time. And at the same time I had reconnected with my girlfriend that I was with before I went to prison Yeah, and she had appeared to have had some life changes and matured. And, you know, I kind of at the time felt like God was leading me back to a relationship with her. Okay. You know, while there was things that were red flags, I was like, well, if I just love her well, God will, you know, take care of the rest. And so, Um, you know, we started down that road in a relationship and, um, opportunities for work. It was hard. I worked two jobs and did side work. Like I was busy all the time and she was a waitress. She worked nights. So we saw each other when we could. And I had an opportunity to be an electrician in Washington. So after about nine months of trying to make something work in Klamath Falls, I I'd moved up here so I could continue in that trade that I felt like, you know, God had blessed me with. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I was still praying and reading my Bible and loving God. I I hadn't found a home for ministry, you know, at the combine in Klamath, I had a ministry opportunity there. I was in the youth group and preaching and teaching and and small groups. Um, but then when we moved up here, we had a hard time plugging in and finding somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, with some of those red flags I was talking about, my, Mm -hmm. um, I wound up marrying her, but she would not, could never settle into a church. There was always a, uh, something in the way, yes. you know, um, always looking for more. Always. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, we tried, I tried mm-hmm. to, you know, I just figured I could love her there or get her there. Eventually she'll want to go. And, yeah. um, yeah. you know, through some of those red flags developed into addiction problems and, mm-hmm. you know, which ultimately ended up destroying our marriage after 10 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. but when that, when that broke, you know, um, it, it was a long, hard process. You witnessed the hardest yes. parts of it. Yes, I did. Um, and hard. so while those were a struggle, like, you know, uh, the whole time God was with me, like, you know, building our businesses. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I remember praying with our guys in the shop and, and, you know, at the beginning of a business, the first five years they say are the worst. And I'd say it was probably eight years for us. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, I hard. remember talking with my office gal back then and, you know, we, we pay weekly, we pay Mm -hmm. our guys and it seemed like payroll was on Friday, every Thursday night, Thursday during the day, I was on my knees trying to find the money for, for payroll. 
I drove all over the state. It's like it was a constant stress for the first eight years of our business, how to pay everybody. Yeah. You know, and yeah. the the thing is, is come Tuesday, I was always telling everybody, you know what? God's always taking care of us. He's always going to provide, you know, yeah. and and every every time. I think in eight years, we had two times we had to pay guys on Monday or Tuesday. Every yeah. time he came through and we were able to pay everybody, you know, and so... During that time, I saw my ministry as being to my family, to my business. I focused on building the business and trying mm-hmm. to take care of everybody. And, you know, I still was in prayer and in communication with my brothers. But we we hadn't had a church home during that time because of the dynamic with my ex-wife. Yeah. And, um, you know, that went on. And after um, her addiction got to the point where it was hurtful on our kids and I didn't, I couldn't see a way out anymore. We ended up splitting and, um, you know, I spent two years single and was able to plug into our church in Hawaii. And it was so amazing to be back in ministry and we were doing outreach and got sent on mission trips. And, you know, it was like, God just put me right back in the saddle and it was just so much, uh, awesome stuff happening there. And I think it's so cool to look at, you know, that moment when you were told that it's not 18 months anymore. Now it's, 77? 78. 78 months that you have to serve and how you went like, okay, God gave up on me. Like this, this is horrible. Like I just don't depend on God anymore. I don't trust his plan. But now you, after that moment of that guy sitting down and saying, well, what you said in Romans really got to me. It's like that moment is now what you're living by because you continue, like something comes up. You're like, all right, God, I got this. Mm-hmm. Just like in that same moment, like, okay, God, you got this. Mm-hmm. You're, I may not see it yet, but it's going to happen. And so I see that in everything, you know, your business, finding a church, the deal with what happened with your ex-wife and everything. You never went back to that moment and be like, all right, God doesn't got this. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really cool. That's yeah. huge. You know, and I think that, you know, the, the dramatic impact he had when he showed up for me in prison is concrete it's solid you yeah. know and and yeah. i think that's I, I i don't think that's unique for me i think mm-hmm. that you know as mm-hmm. i read the scriptures like he gives us the holy spirit to be yeah. a confirmation a seal of the work that he's done you know if you read yeah. in ephesians that the holy spirit is is the seal the fact that he's done it inside of us and it says he has started to work is faithful to complete mm-hmm. it we don't while faith in it, it by definition is believing in the thing you don't see, yeah, it's not blind. No, nope. you know, as believers, we we can go be burned at the stake because we know that we know that we know. Now, yes. my story gives some illustrations to yes. like, you know, how I've seen and heard and what I know, but I think it's a common story. It's you know, so common. You think yes. about when your mom passed and yeah. and where God met you. There's mm-hmm. no doubt in your mind what happened. Yep. Absolutely. You know, the Bible says we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Yeah. I don't care how good a liar you are. You can't take my story from me. (laughs) It's so true though. And I love that you pointed that out because that's a very common denominator in, if not the only denominator in anybody's story that I've seen sit across from me is we get to this point in our trial where we're like, where's God? But then 
he comes and smacks you right in the face, right? He's like, boom, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the and that's the, what we live by after our trial, after knowing and learning who God is and how loving and generous and awesome he is. Mm-hmm. He always meets us where we're at. And I the coolest part is he's he's already there. He's already gone through it. He knows what is going to happen in your life mm-hmm. and he's going to meet you right there. He so. even knows how bad you're going to blow it once you get there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he knows it all. He knows it all. So it's just putting our trust in him. But I want you to share your life today because here you are sitting across from me and your business is right across the road here mm-hmm. <laughs> that you've been building how many years now? Going on 15. Wow. 15 March will be years. 15 years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And you have a beautiful wife today, mm-hmm. yeah. a very loving and God passionate yeah. woman. And she, so I'll, I'll let you, I'll stop doing the explaining. <laughs> so tell us about your life a little bit today. Well, you know, born out of that time when we were able to become recentered, um, you know, and, yeah. and get back into ministry and, you know, mm-hmm. in my heart it, and I had hoped and prayed for, my first marriage to, to work out and that we could serve God together. And, you know, I, yeah, I'll give you that. You definitely did not give up. You kept trying. Yeah. I yeah. felt like I had to, you know, cause I know God hates divorce and I, I, yeah. I wanted to know that I'd done everything I could. Yep. And so getting back into ministry and getting a heart for that, it's like when I met my wife, uh, we met on June 30th and married November 19th yep. and you were there. Yeah. And, you know, I just knew when I met her that this was God's choice for me. You know, I had met a lot of people in the time that when my marriage had fallen apart until then. And like, I felt like I was constantly looking and the the day I met her, God gave me peace and it didn't make sense. Like I argued with myself for a good couple months because, you know, (laughs) sometimes I feel like I have a lot of wisdom and I'm sharing with people, you know, when you're dating, you want to make sure you really know somebody and take your time a year or two, you know, get to know them. And man, we met and it was just like, we're having conversations in the first month that were just, our experiences were so matched up and we were totally understanding of each other, our hurts, our hangups, our, you know, what, what has happened to us and how we got there. And like, I just knew that this was who God had had for me. Right. And it's been that every since. Like, she's the perfect fit for me. She loves Jesus. She reads her word probably more than I do. Mm. You know, she's, uh, always has a spiritual mind to pray for the situations that are, you know, when we're facing struggles with our kids or, finances or whatever's coming along like her heart is always to turn back to jesus and i just i love having a partner that i'm not carrying in that manner like you know we 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 carry each other but you know to to be able to go the same direction and not be battling that is just so relieving and i think that's the way that god intended it and i know he picked her out for me yeah um and so you know today's life yeah we're our kids are teenagers, virgin on adults, and our youngest is nine. She's got a ways to go. Yeah. Um, you know, business is is really good right now, and um, mm. you know we're um, in ministry. We're plugged into a church where you know the leadership and pastors are supportive, and you know we've got a I've got a men's ministry that uh, I've seen God just do amazing things in, growing the guys and in our group growing together and different outreach opportunities. I was able to share at uh, the Monroe prison last year and they're calling me back to come again. And I was able to preach at church this year. Like I just see God opening doors to work the, 
the gifts and the stories and things that he's given me so that he can have glory, you know. Mm, I love that. Um, yeah. You know, and both me and my wife have a heart to serve and love people. You know, she wants to, uh, she's a nurse and she wants to use those gifts someday to, um, you know, help in the mission field Jeez, and lead people wow. to Christ. And yeah, that's so awesome. there's a lot of cool stuff in the works. And yes, you, I can definitely see your happiness today. You know, <laughs> I've, I didn't get to see you through prison or any of that, but I did see a big portion of your life. Um, and I do see how you went from where you were to here today, a very passionate guy for God. And I think that's so big and so awesome. Well, we could definitely keep talking for a lot longer. I have so many other things I want to chat to you about, but we should probably end this. Well, the good thing point. about being family is we can know, revisit right? the situation. We can hit end here and still talk. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to know, what does hope mean to you? Oh, golly. It's a big word, isn't it? Is, it? it is a big word, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, our hope, our hope is rooted in eternity. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's where believers over the years have been able to go through so much and persevere through so much, because even when life's not good, hope yeah. is eternal. Right. You know, and the Bible talks about our life being um, just a, a vapor. Yeah. But I also know that walking with Jesus in this life you know, he, he came to, to give us life and that abundantly. Mm. Um, you know, I may not always have all the money I need. I may not always have all the resources I need. The government may not always do what I want to do. But my hope in him not leaving me, being with me forever, is what carries me through. Yeah. You know, if if there's a financial crisis, a relational crisis, uh, any of that stuff, mm-hmm. my hope's in him and the abundance that comes with him being in it with me. Yeah. I, yep. I can't imagine a situation any worse than he's already been through with me. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I just, that hope is, I, I hope in the fact that I know God's never going to leave me or forsake me. I know that God has a plan. Yeah. And um, so, you know, we hope for that, which is out in front of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, with our eyes on eternity and our eyes on him in this present life, it's just. Yeah. It's it's like it doesn't that. run out. Yeah, I like that. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> well, before we end this, would you mind praying for my listeners? Sure. All right. Awesome. Oh, uh, Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to uh, share stories about you, um, God, to just glorify you and what you've done in my life. And I just pray that you know if there's somebody out there that uh, just hears you in this, that uh, feels touched by you, Lord, that just has a clearer picture of your love, your faith, the, 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 what, what living in hope with you is like. Lord, I just pray that you, you draw them to somebody that can, can show them you, that can pray for them, Lord, that, that you would be their hope today, God, that you would show up even as they're hearing this, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just pour your love on them and draw them closer to you. I pray that you be glorified through all that we do today, that everybody that hears this would just um, come to know you better, Lord, to see you, to say thanks for you, and to just ultimately love you back. Just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.